0: Hey, housewives, come on in. You know the dirty dishes are still in the sink from yesterday and the laundry is still in the basket. Pop your AirPods in and make yourself at home here. I'm Tracy. I'm Tori. And we We are your Unlikely
1: Housewives. Stepping out in faith and believing that God calls the unlikely, we are here to show you the appreciation and validation you deserve, lead you to authentic relationships, and release you of believing the cultural lies to restore your faith and
0: wellness pull up those high-waisted yoga pants, tighten your top knot, and reheat your coffee for the third time, turn up the volume, and let's go. housewives welcome back hey housewives welcome welcome
1: welcome we are so excited to be bringing you another incredible guest and this topic is something that we didn't naturally come up with once when we met on the pre-interview and we started chatting it blew into something that i know so many
0: need to hear about so i'm gonna let tori introduce valerie yes so Valerie Rhodes is a certified as a Christian counselor and a grief and loss coach through the American Association of Christian Counselors. As a cancer survivor and then caregiver for a cancer survivor, Valerie has continued to serve others facing cancer or any other chronic illness. As a Christian counselor and a trained member of FEMA Community Emergency Response Team, she specializes in helping others deal with grief and disaster. Following the close deaths of a dear, lifelong friend and tragic sudden death of a cousin and then a great niece, Valerie undertook training to become certified as a grief and loss coach. All continuing education is in death, grief, loss, and disaster. And she offers skills and tools to help others cope with her grief and losses. That sounds like a lot of fun. Oh my gosh, sorry. I just had to... I'm an Enneagram 7, and so I very much heavy things i have to laugh and i'm very so dark that
1: character that's a characteristic of coping and grieving i'm sure yeah it's <laughs> got to be right
2: yes
0: so welcome welcome it's to the, yeah, the sorry. That's, that's just a lot of him
2: i've actually had people ask me since you're a grief counselor do you cry all the time i said no i really don't probably because i've heard pretty much all of it yeah, yeah. somewhere right. along the way
0: yeah that and you've had your like I bet you're, since you've had so many of your own instances of grief, God has allowed you to use those for others. I exactly. mean, and you see the beauty come from the ashes. Right? Right. And like right. so that's something
2: that, you know, that all of blessings in disguise. In yeah. other words, when we go through really difficult things, like when I had cancer, mm-hmm. that was one thing compared to being the caregiver for my husband who had cancer. There's losses both sides of that Mm -hmm. and how to cope with that. And true story, actually, the reason I'm a grief counselor is because after my husband went into remission, I was praying. And by then, my teenage daughters were back in school and he was back at work. So I had a home office and I was sitting there praying for three weeks, literally praying all day long. And I never I've heard of people doing this, but I finally got to do it. And I'm saying, Lord, what do you want me to do with this? Why did I survive ovarian cancer that most people I knew died from? Yeah. And then why did Dusty survive his cancer, stage four, fluid in the chest when we found it? Wow. Why are we still here? What is God's purpose behind that? Yeah. And what I learned basically is God wastes nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Even the horrible, terrible, tragic, no good, Things that we go through. Yeah. He uses those to build who we are to help others. At the end of about three weeks of that prayerful time, I was sitting at my desk and I did not see a flash of light. I did not see Jesus, but I heard a voice in my heart and my mind say, Valerie, I need you to prepare to help others deal with the coming grief and disaster. I still shake a little bit about that because yeah. when that happened, I've been asking the Lord, "What am I supposed to do?" And I hear that and I went, "Okay," because I learned a long time ago to not argue with God. Yeah, right? he goes Seriously, he had asked me to do something else in 1997, and uh, then I had argued for about six weeks, and he finally won. You know, he's going to win. Mm-hmm. He is going to win. And, and then yep. this was like in 2007. This wow. calling. This. So I'd learn in 10 years' time, I'd finally learned. Okay. If he calls you to do something, mm-hmm. you better find out what that is. Focus on it. Say yes, and just do that. Yeah. He'll equip you, and then he equips you exactly. Absolutely. That's so I mean, there's a story. I I don't
0: remember where I heard it, but for somebody that didn't listen to God the first time and tried to go the other way, they got swallowed by a big fish. Oh. <laughs> I don't. There's <laughs> yes. there's something about that, and so that that yes. does terrify me yes. in yes. the slightest terms of when I right. say when I go. Are you sure?
2: Are you sure? Are you sure? I'm so timid. I'm so quiet. I'm so shy. I don't want to do this, but hey. But I will tell you honestly, then I did start training that very day when my husband came home from work. I told him, and he believed me. He says, I know that was God speaking to you. So let's pursue this. And that's when I went through the American Association of Christian Counselors. That was my first certification in any counseling and grief. All my training, everything I do is grief and loss related. Yeah. And The FEMA CERT program is because we have emergencies and disasters that happen have nothing to do necessarily with Christian grief loss. Right. You know, death and dying. But like community. Oh, when we have these storms Mm -hmm. and we have tree debris, I've I've been a participant helping with that. In fact, we still have uh, trees down from that last storm. Yeah. We were out of town for memorial service. We get calls saying. Your trees are down. Four of our six trees are in half. Oh. So I'm just saying that's a di- different kind of disaster. And here's the reality. Children view things different than we do. Yeah. When our daughters were 10 and 13 when we went through Dusty's bone marrow transplant, if you know anything about those, that's a different story. But children see things differently than adults do, and they feel everything. I'm a firm believer that even infants have an understanding of of what's going on, Mm -hmm. they sense things, and they're very smart. They're sponges. They absorb everything we teach them. And they have to, at some point, realize, yes, I want to do what's good and right. Mm -hmm. And no, I don't want to do, I don't want to touch that fire because it's hot. Yeah. So the, you know, the parents and, and the grandparents, we all have a responsibility to teach these children. And that includes when someone we care about has something bad happen to them, children sense it even before they know exactly what's wrong and if a child is old enough to love they are old enough to grieve yeah and sometimes when we see a child what we call acting out yeah behaving badly it's because they're acting out what they're actually feeling and sensing one of our
0: previous guests a parent coach was discussing that too is that behaviors are responses to a need a need And so like trying to communicate that because they don't they don't have the vocabulary. They don't have the words. Exactly. And and think of
1: all of us as adults right now. You know, there's so many of us that have gone through so many episodes of grief in different ways as a child and even as an adult and you know, getting married and, you know, there's certain things that you've gone through. The marriage part isn't the grief part. I didn't mean it like that. But once you're
2: married, (laughs) you (laughs) and your husband (laughs) go through things together.
1: Sure. Uh Uh And you do, you go through things that you think, okay, this is what the way we thought our life was going to look like. And now it's different. And that could come through infertility. That could come through, you know, the loss of, uh, of a child. It can come through even a move, you know, in trying to just keep the balance and the peace and happiness. Like there's loss and grief. In so many different avenues. And I think what we wanted to focus on with the children is we're learning as adults as we help our children. And I think that's where you and I, Tori, we kind of, when we started talking to Valerie, we're like, oh my gosh, yeah, we don't know how to process that as an adult. So how do we have that conversation with our kids? And we have friends that are going through divorces and what does that look like for children too? And there's so much that we don't address head on and we just kind of, you know, Push it back down and keep going on with the daily. And that's why Valerie is here to help us walk through some of those things.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, and I think too, we minimize so quickly our kids' crises, right? Like they fail a test. Well, to them, that's their world. School is what they do every single day. That's a big deal. And we're just like, hey, you know, and parents can, you know, there are two types of parents. There are parents that are going to be, you know, like, it's okay you studied, you tried your best, it's going to be fine. And then there's the other parents who say, well, you're going to get a B or a C and, you know, that's not acceptable in this house. And I mean, and so there's going to be different ways with that. But like, we don't think about that as the crisis for the kid. And Mm -hmm. so even if you are the parent with expectations of certain grades in your house, you can still have those And still talk to your kid about it, but you do that in a different way when you realize it's a crisis to them versus, well, they didn't meet your expectations. Mm. And then, you know, those kinds of things. And we've talked about that in previous episodes. Okay. So, Valerie, let's talk about some of, I mean, Tracy's already named a couple, but I mean, things kids do when mommy has a miscarriage or loss of a pet. We've had three of those in the last four years in our family. My Uh. son was two and a half, you know, so like she said,
1: when you're kids, you can have a loss, but you never talk about it or process it because the words aren't there. So
2: what's that like, you know? Yeah, I do have a real life example, which I think might be really helpful. Okay, I actually brought each one of you a booklet Mm -hmm. and in the front of it is a picture of my great niece Anne, she was 11 years old when she died. Mm -hmm. A horse fell on her. She was a little rodeo girl and uh, a little country girl had always ridden horses. But on this particular occasion, a city slicker girl, that would be me, Mm -hmm. (laughs) a city slicker girl who had never been on a horse wanted to ride. And she begged Anne over and over that night. When the horse began to fall, Anne grabbed the young girl and saved her. But the horse then fell on Anne and killed Anne. The reason I give these heaven booklets out is because we know Anne is in heaven. And I'm telling you that story because I was already trained to be a grief counselor when this happened. Mm -hmm. This was a third of three deaths very quickly together. But Anne's younger sister, Chrissy, Mm -hmm. it was nine when this happened. I want you to perceive how she was viewing all of this. And then she had another little sister, Brookie, but then she had a little brother, Henry, who was two. Now Henry's... 17. So they've lived all their lives without Anne, who died young. This is how a two-year-old saw it at the memorial service. Uh, my husband and one of my daughters did help do the music. I'm up front, I'm right in the front row, I'm watching two-year-old Henry. He literally walked up to the casket, shook the casket and said, Anne, what are you doing in there? Get out. That's how a two-year-old perceives this. Yeah. Then a few minutes later, he went back up and I kid you not, he shook it again. He said, Ann, you stink. Get out of there. Okay. So this is a, now, can you imagine the nine-year-old's not going to do that, but a two-year-old understands something's not right. My sister Ann is laying in this box. Why is she doing that? Now, the beauty of this story is Ann's dad had a vision of her as Ann was dying. Mike was standing right there and he, he was watching this and he said, I looked up and off to the side, I could see Anne standing in what I could only describe as a gate. She was standing on a gate and she looked grown up. Her braces were gone. And she said to me, Dad, I'm okay. And she turned and went in through that gate. So we know Anne is in heaven. Two weeks before Anne died, she'd written in her journal, God loves me. I accept Christ. Mm. So that's the Christian faith that we know where she is. So you have to understand two year old Henry, Brooke would have been five. And Chrissy was nine when eleven-year-old Ann died. So they grew up knowing where Ann is. And here's the important thing: we have talked about Ann every day since. Mm-hmm. Or if we're together as a family, we mourn that, we miss her, we wish she was here. Chrissy's getting married in September, Aww. so she's not here. And that's so the the loss, the thing about grief and loss, especially a death, it doesn't go away. It never goes away, but it does change. And every time you face your loss, whatever it was, it can soften with how you perceive it. So you have to look at this family, my own family, watching them grow up, knowing where Anne is and having their their Christian faith reinforced to them. Every time we talk about how much we miss her, we tear up, we miss her, but we know where she is. Mm -hmm. And there's a difference in our grief. And that's biblical, that Jesus taught us and the Apostle Paul taught us to grieve with hope. We mourn, we're sad when we have a death loss. That's not the only one. That's just a good example of children Mm -hmm. and how the parents dealt with it, vicariously, the aunts and uncles and cousins. We've all dealt with it all these years. And and there's been other deaths. Right. But that is a good example of how do you help a two-year-old? Let them talk about what they see, what they smell what They yeah. feel. And Henry, to this day, he's out there making a difference in his world. Yeah.
0: That's
1: incredible.
2: That is
0: incredible. So, for me, I, I'm an only child. And so, one of the worries or anxieties I've always had is like when my parents go. And so, in college, I took a death and dying class because I knew. I don't know if I was with Andrew at the time. I bet I was. I bet I was. But I didn't I don't think we were engaged yet. But I took that class because I was like, there's going to be a day when it's just me. And like, how am I going to deal with this as a as an only child? You know, what if the event my parents travel all over the world together? I mean, really? I mean, I'd like to know why they didn't do it when I was in high school and I could go with them, but <laughs> apparently they're swell. But yeah, so I like I've always known that in the back of my head, but I always know too. Like I know where my parents are going, and there is that yes, we grieve because I'm going to miss them here, but they're not grieving. They're sitting at the they're feet busy. of Jesus. They're <laughs> sitting at the feet of Jesus like how amazing is that? I mean, but you're right. There is like for people that do not have the hope of Christ in their hearts and in their lives. Like, I cannot fathom how they get through death, just knowing, like, thinking that that's
2: it. Well, from the grief and loss world, glad you took a class. Most people don't know what to do. And Americans, we are notorious for not facing death and the truth and the reality of it. Because the truth is, Mortality rate is one hundred percent. Yeah, and mm-hmm. I was privileged to be with both my mom and my dad individually when they died. I was with them in person, which is, you know, it's an unusual experience. I was going to say Not it's
0: fairly it. rare yeah. you know, like you're only going to mean, do
2: it once, right? That's yes, yeah, and I do. I'm a writer, so I huh. journal about it, so that helps me. And then I have a brother who who is deceased as well, and so it's great comfort to know where they are. But if people don't have a hope of heaven, they don't know where they are. And that's why the biblical worldview, it meets all the criteria for what we're dealing with, with everything in life. So I would encourage every person who has access to a Bible to get one and start reading it. And I would read it cover to cover. You won't understand everything you read the first time, but especially when Jesus is talking throughout the New Testament, he tells us about heaven. He tells us what it's like, what it's about. It's not a pie-in-the-sky thing. It's real. The youngest I've had come to me for grief workshops was seven-year-olds, two seven-year-olds and two ten-year-olds, and they understood it because they're very smart, especially if they can read. They'll start reading. Do you think it's faith like a child, like that they have this whole like children-
0: one, they understand more than we give them credit for, right? Yes. But like that God designed them that way. Yes. Because there is that age of accountability, right? Like if a child were to die and not know Christ, there's that age of accountability. I don't, do you know, is it, there's not a- It's not a number. It's not a number. It's not, it's not a, an age. It's a, mature, it's <laughs> a it's maturity, not a number. <laughs> right? It's that like, but yeah, so you know that like children
2: are going to heaven even- well, I, here, I mean, Here's a true example. Uh, and I have- pe- Usually people call a grief counselor when someone has died, but sometimes it's divorce Mm -hmm. or separations because every, mark my words, every relationship ever always ends in some kind of separation. By that, I mean, if you're married and you're married together for 70 years and one of you dies, what happens? Separation. Mm -hmm. What if you've only been married 20 years and one of you dies? Separation. Separation. What if you get married and you think it's forever and the things go toxic? I've used that word before. Mm-hmm. Things are toxic in which that's not safe for children to be in a toxic environment, any kind of toxic, whether it's chemical or emotional, relational. Yeah. So if that's toxic and the marriage is in for that, I'm bringing up the divorce topic yes. there, but that ends with the separation. And the first time I heard that, I was quite disturbed by it because I kind of want to stomp my feet and say, no, no, I, I don't like that. But that's reality. So what do we do about that? And that's why I want to encourage all people everywhere to find a way to get the word of God into you. Are you familiar with you Version? Yes.
0: Yeah. The Bible okay. App. If you yeah. tell
2: your your people, your podcast people, that would be great because mm-hmm. the beauty of you Version is when you're stuck in grief and loss, because people get stuck. Mm-hmm. That happens. Yeah. 30 some years, somebody will come and say, my so-and-so died 30 years ago. What do I do? Well, I know, and I have a little bit of a formula I help them follow, but I do know that I'm only one person and I can only help one person at a time. Really, sometimes families or groups of 10 to 20, I do that too. But the one who can help you the most is that Holy Spirit of God, the one who called me and said, Valerie, I need you to help prepare Mm -hmm. to help others deal with the coming grief and disaster. I can't help 8 billion people on the planet, but I can do my part to help you. So you can help your kids. Mm-hmm. So you can help your friends, your yeah. family do what you know is right. But how do we know what's right? Mm-hmm. Even if you have a great church family, a church home or church community, sometimes you will not get what you really need. There's grief and loss connected with that. I deal with that as well. Church but, hurt. That's <laughs> what it's called, y'all. Church hurt. Jesus has been trying to get into a lot of churches and they won't let him in. I'm just saying. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Preach. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But the word of God, if you get that into you, that will help. And I want to bring up something else. Uh, Ephesians chapter five. It's about relationships, about particularly husband and wife. It's Ephesians chapter five. I actually have my Bible open. You can look it up. The thing about Ephesians chapter five, what was being said was husbands must love their wives with the same love Christ showed the church. How do you like that? What did Jesus do for the church? Died for it. He laid down his life for the church. The church would be the body of believers. That's who we are. Mm -hmm. So think of it this way. If the woman is submissive to the husband, he is the head of the home. If he lays down his life for her as Christ sacrificed himself for us, what woman in her right mind would not go, oh, yes, I love that guy. Because mm-hmm. he lays down his life for me every day so that I can be who I'm supposed to be in Christ. Yeah. That's what that means. Yeah.
1: Can I ask you a question? Sure. We have a lot of listeners on here who don't have husbands that are believers, but the wives are Christians okay. and we have witnessed a lot of relational separation and some yeah. you know, heartache in that because as the wife knows and believes and reads the Bible just like we do, She knows that, believes it and sees it, but doesn't get to experience it. I mean, that's kind of a loss until, I mean, we all know till the very end, God can change any man's heart, any woman's heart too. I'm going to reference some scripture here and then we'll talk a little bit more, Valerie. But the first Corinthians chapter seven, it's verse 12 and beyond here. It says, now I will speak to the rest of you, though I do not have direct command from the Lord. If a fellow believer has a wife who is not a believer and she is willing to continue living with him, he must not leave her. And if a believing woman has a husband who is not a believer and he is willing to continue living with her, she must not leave him. For the believing wife brings holiness to her marriage, and the believing husband brings holiness to his marriage. Otherwise, your children would not be holy, but now they are holy. But if the husband or wife who isn't a believer insists on leaving, let them go. In such cases, the believing husband or wife is no longer bound to the other, for God has called you to live in peace." This is something that we've talked about, I think, before. And I come from a marriage who my husband wasn't a believer until probably seven years into our marriage. And I think it's, one, beautiful to see the answer to prayer that you get to experience as a wife, like seeing your husband come to know the Lord and become the head of the household and leading. But I know not all women and or men get that experience if there's one believer. So I think not that there's like a loss or a grief in that, but I just was referencing it because it was something that you were speaking to. And I think that is a difficulty in a marriage sometimes when you're not
2: spiritually on the same page. Exactly. And that can cause rifts. And anytime we have a rift, that's a separation. And there is grief connected to that. Sure. And we have to deal with each loss. Everyone has a lot of loss from the past Mm -hmm. and they deal with things going on right now. And then we have to prepare to face the future, whatever it is. One thing about the unbelieving spouse I felt like I should mention is when my great niece Ann died, her dad, Mike, who had this vision, he saw her. He was not a believer. He did not believe he went to church, but he did not believe that Jesus was the son of God. He did not believe in heaven until that happened. And it totally changed him. And even recently, his wife reminded me that Mike was not a believer, and she said, as tragic as this death is to us still to this day, the difference is he's a believer. He will be in heaven. Those who come to know who Jesus Christ is and they confess with their mouth that he is Lord and believe that God raised Jesus from the dead, mm-hmm. they will be saved. That's Romans ten nine. You can write it down. Anyone who's unbelieving, if you think you have an unbelieving spouse, you could basically say to them, who do you say that Jesus Christ is? And if they have an understanding that he is the son of God, then you can say, did God raise Jesus from the dead? Because that's what scripture tells us. Romans 10, 9 really helps us with that. And the other thing about the husbands, uh, the scripture I was trying to think of a little bit ago was First Peter 3, 9. And I know we're speaking to the wives, but as a comfort to them to realize the husband is the covering for the home. It's a hierarchy that God set in place. God, the father, God, the son, the Holy Spirit, the husband is the head of the home and the wife, he is her covering. But if husbands don't take up that mantle, this is what it says. In the same way, you husbands must give honor to your wives. Treat her with understanding as you live together. She may be physically weaker than you are. But she is your equal partner in God's gift of new life. If you don't treat her as you should, your prayers will not be heard. Only a fool would say there's no God. That's Psalm 14. So if a man wants his prayers to be heard, let's say a man wants to be successful. He wants financial stability. He wants a home for himself and his family. And he's asking God for that. Then he's going to have to go refer to this scripture and say, oh boy, I better treat my wife correctly. For the females who are feeling hurt, wounded, sad, they're grieving. They're grieving a loss of what could have been and should have been. Yeah, I mean, that's heavy And what, I
1: mean, like I just said, when you're in a marriage and it isn't what you thought it would be, you are still living it, but you're grieving.
0: Yeah, and I think one of my all-time favorite books is what did you expect by Paul David Tripp. It's talking about how expectations when somebody's not meeting your expectations or something something is not meeting your expectations, that's when we get upset or angry or we start to get bitter but like but what did you expect like and we're all going to be disappointed. We live in a fallen world and disappointment and we're going to have the loss and we're going to grieve the loss that, you know, all of those all together. That's what part of living on Earth is. Well, I mean, we're not in heaven yet. Yeah. So let's talk about the. You shared something with us, our tic-tac-toe grid. OK, because I think this is something that parents could help give their kids to. Moms can do it. I mean, parents can do it, but then have their kids do it alongside them or probably not the best for mom to, for the kid to be like, what are you writing? Um, (laughs) Very different. (laughs) Very different. Very different. Walk us through it because I think it is so good because then, and it's such an eye opener to see what our kids are saying. So yes, thank you. uh, You This actually
2: came about because I teach this in a workshop that I'm going to teach everyone how to deal with your own losses, because once you deal with your own things, at least a portion of it, then you can help others including your kids. I realized everybody knows how to play tic-tac-toe pretty young. So if you take a big piece of paper, draw a great big tic-tac-toe, like you're only going to do one on the entire piece of paper. Mm -hmm. Exciting, huh? Mm -hmm. So smack dab in the middle of that is a big blank. What you do as an adult is put in there the biggest loss you're dealing with right now typically when someone comes to see me as someone died, someone they care about died, and they don't know how to cope with all the emotions they're feeling the crying, the numbness, the anger, all the different things that happen with losses. So if you're dealing with the, a child doing that, you can do that, say, Hey, Aunt Valerie died. And I know you miss her. Draw a picture of what Aunt Valerie looks like in the middle of that box. And then for an adult, if they do, let's say I died and you guys, oh, my Miss Valerie, I've known her 10 minutes, but there, I miss her a lot. <laughs> I would <laughs> miss you. I would miss you. But then that's your biggest loss right now. But guess what? You have all those other empty boxes around the outside of it. Then I say, then go around and put in eight more losses that you can think of right now. Uh, my my parents have died. Uh, my dog. Oh, my goodness. Pet loss is huge. Yeah. For because children, for you know sure. why? Animals love us unconditionally, even cats. Mm-hmm. Love us unconditionally. I think my husband Woodbert, uh would like to uh, debate that. issue
0: yeah.
1: with yeah. you the cat. I, I would say, though, that's like the one thing I love is when my kids come home from school, like they'll be like, hi, mom. And then on the floor with the dogs. Like, yes, they love yes. their animals. And no matter what kind of a day they've had, good or bad, those animals, the dogs yes. are there for them. Yes. So yeah. if they
2: lose a dog. Yeah. They lose or a sibling. Mm-hmm. But this is what happened to Anne's family. They lost a sibling. That's the biggest loss. But they have farm animals that they yeah. lose every now and then. When Ann's horse died years later, ev- they grieve that. And they oh, let us know <Sort> yeah. we talked about it. So, so ever, l- 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 j- just envision you have your big tic-tac-toe grid with nine losses on there that you're dealing with yourself. Then you go to your child and say, OK, what else? Uh, your pet fish died. You miss guppy or whatever. And help them fill those in because then What we do is process each loss individually, one thing at a time. Because when we do that, when when I'm sitting in a a group or on one-on-one and I help someone deal with that biggest loss, once you deal with the biggest hurt, the biggest loss, whatever it is, it frees up space in your mind to deal with some of the other losses. It helps you deal with daily life because you're dealing with all those losses that the adversary, the evil, vindictive adversary would like to keep you trapped in there. Oh, yeah. And children the same way. You know, some children, I know adults who lost parents when they were five years old and they never really got the help they need need to deal with it. And if they don't, it just kind of hovers over your whole life. Yeah. And I have a, a model that I follow. Here's some things that we know are practical, things you can do that are actually practical. So if we're addressing toxic marriages, that may be the biggest thing in your life because you can't deal with anything because yeah. every time you come home, it's bad. Every time you go to work and you get a respite, you're away from that and you recognize I am sane, normal, and healthy. Why am I okay here, but I'm not there? Yeah. Do you see what I'm saying? Yes. And then, of course, at work, you might have a different tic-tac-toe grid over there. That there's things at work that are incredibly hard, really wrong, the boss isn't right, or whatever, co-workers, whatever. But there's always something else. And it always comes back to my biblical worldview. And the Lord taught us to pray. He told us how to pray so we would know every day you're going to have troubles and trials every single day. And each day has enough trouble of its own. Who knew? Well, he knew and he told us, but it's just hard to deal with because we can't deal with our past. Yeah. Yeah. What happened in the past? How do I deal with that? And so that's the formula that I would try to hand you and say, here, try these things because these we know work." I've mentioned this before, a loss, a death loss, a separation. If you really lose something, guess what? It's gone. It's not coming back. In 2 Samuel chapter 12, King David, if you know who King David was, Mm -hmm. he and his then wife Bathsheba had a baby, and that baby lived a week and died. In chapter 12, King David said, that baby is dead. He's not coming back. So talk about when I'm helping women deal with the death of a child. This is where we go to. In fact, men, I'm helping men deal with, my baby lived three hours and he died. How do I cope with this? And then we we have to get the biblical worldview to know that God loves human beings. He loved us enough to send Jesus to be the propitiation for our sin. And then he gave us words of comfort. And this is where the comfort comes from, is from the word of God. So when we go to a second Samuel chapter 12, when we read this, we realize David was a king and this happened to him and he lost a baby. But then David said something amazing. He said, One day I will go to where that baby is. It's just like our family, we all know. One day I will go where my mom and dad are, my brother, my niece, all my aunts and uncles are already there, many of my cousins are already there and they're waiting on us. So why are we here on this earth? Yeah, you young ladies are here to raise these children. And I brought you something, actually, I want to encourage you, Psalm 139, I actually printed it out and I will email it to you, it's easier to email, I know, but Psalm 139 tells us that before this day ever happened, God knew us, He knew you, He formed you, and the same with your children. And for those of us who've had miscarriages, or for women who've had abortions, once a week I receive this from your father's business. And I was given this devotional that comes once a week by someone else. And I I so appreciate it because she's talking to women. And that yeah. really helps us to kind of think, okay, God really loves me enough to know who I was. He knew before August 10th of this year happened, we'd be right here. He knew that. Yeah. I can't know that. Yeah. And here's the thing, for your for your kid's sake, when my daughters were little and I went through a divorce, they were like three and six, you know, young, I realized then I could not be with my children 24 hours a day, seven days a week, which I'd always been since they've been born. I was a homemaker and I was always with them, never apart. But then for some reason, they started having to go other places. And that's when I turned to the Holy Spirit and I said, Lord, I can't be with them. And seriously, girls, even if I could... I really didn't want to. I was tired. (laughs) You know, aren't you tired? Sometimes you're just tired.
0: (laughs) This is your reminder, mama, to take a break from your children. If you not have not been out of town with some friends just on an overnight trip, if you have not been away from your children, stop what you're doing right now and find a time on your calendar and go make some time where you're away from your children. I know it's summer. School is starting. And Um, pray and just say,
2: Lord, where do you want me to go? Where can I go for a few hours?
0: Yeah. And then then book a trip for you and your husband, even if it's a staycation or staying at a friend's house without your children.
2: Do that for your sanity and for your marriage. And did you know that even Jesus rested? We all know God created the earth in six days and on the seventh day he rested. But if you read the scriptures, you'll find every single time Jesus did a miracle He went away and rested by himself every single time without anybody else around. Isn't that incredible? So who do we think we are? That's how I get myself to rest. Yeah, me too. I love me. Because otherwise I won't. I'll just go, go, go. Go ahead. Finish that sentence. I love being alone. I love being alone. I was getting there. You're getting I was letting you finish that. It's funny.
1: And I didn't know I did. You know, and it's so funny. I'm working through it with my almost 13 year old daughter who wants to do (laughs) everything with somebody and doesn't want to be alone, you know? And it's just—it's so amazing to just see because I was just like her, you know. And it took me until my twenties, and then I traveled alone, and then I learned. Oh my gosh, I'm being alone. like <laughs> this is amazing. <laughs> yes, and yeah. that's why now that I have a full house, I have four kids, and you know, there's two dogs, and there's a lot of us. When they go to school, and I'm just home alone, I'm like, there's so much peace here.
2: <laughs> yeah, right. And for each age, there's an incremental. Amount of time that they should have alone. Like Mm -hmm. just go to your room for 10, 15 minutes. You don't have to do anything. You You can, but you don't have to.
1: Now we could go into a whole different topic of all the (laughs) parents who are grieving, the fact that their children go to their room and
2: don't come out of their room. (laughs) Oh, that's true. That's 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 true. That's true. You know, that actually (laughs) reminds me when the girls were young and I was a full-time stay-at-home mom, even though I sold the product on the side, I never missed anything they were ever in. That's the way I worked. But I would balance. One day we're going to go to a park. Another day we might be at the library. Another day we might be fill in the blank, whatever it is. But there's a day we're staying home yep. doing nothing yep, or playtime. And we were not big on TV. I did have a few videos that they would probably remember to this day, like Veggie Tales. Oh, we we'll still yeah. sing those songs, oh, you know. Yes. But there's a few things I would limit that screen time because we're finding the studies that I get that even children as young as eight even younger than that, really too much screen time. Yeah. Way too much. They need to just sit outside and play in the dirt. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. We love it.
0: Hey, housewives. We are so excited. Oh, my goodness. This is a dream come true. Y'all have heard us talk about our sauna sessions from the beginning, and we. Have Sun line as a sponsor of Unlikely Housewives. Why wouldn't we have a sauna session that brings
1: all of the good juices flowing right out of our bodies when we're detoxing? Ex- Bring it right to the Unlikely Housewives.
0: Exactly. But first of all, some of those benefits. The intention of getting in the sauna for us was not to create a podcast. No. Nope, I have another just job. wanted to
1: sweat. We Detox.
0: Want, detox. We wanted to boost our immunity. We wanted the reducing of inflammation and some the weight puff. loss. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's anti-aging. I mean, there's so many benefits to infrared sauna sessions.
1: And so that was our initial purpose. Yeah. And just to vent, it was that season of life that we just needed to sit and talk and talk about what was going on. And that's where it all happened
0: was in the sauna. Did you realize that there are studies that show Heat therapy produces endorphins, those feel-good emotions. So we were boosting our mood and ideas. So far, we boosted so far that a podcast
1: idea came just flowing out.
0: You guys, this is an incredible opportunity for you. You can have up to $600 off using our link, which is get.sunlighten.com backslash unlikely. That's get dot sunlighten.com backslash unlikely. We'll put that link in the show notes for you too. But $600 off a sunlight and purchase. The one that I have got is the impulse three in one believe. And it's amazing, y'all. It has been the best health investment for our family I'll say my friends because I invite them over. That's how I use the saunas in your. I I know. I come over and sweat. But it's so good and such a benefit. And And you said family investment. The kids can get in it, too. Exactly. The second I hear that there is a stomach bug going around class, get in the sunlight and girls like you're going to do this in 20 minutes. Let's make sure your immune system is up to par to not bring that home for anybody. It is a family investment and you will not regret it. Again, that link for us is get.sunlighten.com backslash unlikely. All the link will be in the show notes.
1: One of the things that you said in our pre-interview that really like I wrote down and it hit home with me. And I think it's something that you can expand on is that our grief is equal measure to our love. Yes. And yes. I think a lot of people, there's no way a lot of people see that as even they don't give grief any value. Right. And, you know, just I'm obviously a feeler person. I let my kids feel, you know, it's something that my husband didn't necessarily grow up with, with, you know, like being able to feel whatever you want to feel. And we do in our house and we have so many feelings, the anger, you know, the just the laughter, the crying the you know, all the characteristics of feeling. We do it all in our house and we've grieved. You know, the move was hard more specifically on me than my kids. And I just that's one piece I want you to talk on. And then the other thing just in all of that, I think a lot of people just say, well, kids are resilient. They'll be OK. And yes, kids can be resilient, but I don't think that we need to just like sweep under the rug all of their feelings and their emotions and be like, they're going to be okay, especially after COVID, the three years, the things they missed, you know, what's been going on? Like, yes, there's loss in that. There's grief in that. And I think it's okay to speak to both the grief and the love. And that was something that you had touched on. If you want to expand on that.
2: I think you said it very well. I do not remember after my brother died in 2017 that... I had mentioned to someone else that, you know, I'm, I'm grieving an equal measure to my love for him. And they disagreed with me. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Wait a minute. You're going to tell me how I feel? Here's the thing. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Feelings are what they are. Feelings are what they are. Feel them. Embrace them. If you have negative feelings about something, what you need to uh, encapsulate it, feel it for a while, own it, address it. And that's the whole tic-tac-toe grid. You can do that. Pay attention to what hurts. Because when you do that, then you can deal with that. Otherwise, it just gets buried and gets stuffed down there. So the reason I say another reason is when you hear of a celebrity who dies, you might be sad. You might think, oh, man, I really enjoyed their movies that they made or something. But you probably aren't going to cry over it. You probably aren't going to think about that person day after day. But when someone you love and care about dies... You may find yourself mourning. Grief is what happened. Grief is the loss, whatever it is. Mourning is getting it out of your system because people who hold it in, the body keeps the score and the body knows what's going on. Say that one more time <laughs> and louder for the people in the back.
0: Like, because stress is a feeling. We yes. are dealing with this in my house. Like, stress is absolutely a feeling. But it builds up, and and the body keeps a score, and it is for everyone. I mean, there's mm-hmm. no so same thing for kids.
2: Like, I just, well, did you know that stressed spelled backwards spells desserts? <laughs> <laughs> I have a pillow in my office that says that. I'm not sure how that works. Is uh, I ate desserts and now I'm stressed, or dis- <laughs> I'm dis- stressed because I eat distress. desserts? <laughs> I, I'm <Sugar>. stressed <laughs> because I eat desserts, and I eat desserts because I'm stressed. One I think those, that's yeah. what it is. I think that. When we're stressed, we tend to eat differently, mm-hmm. and you know what? Even good stress can be really draining. Grief is hard work. Grieving and mourning a loss is exhaustive work. Yeah. Every time we grieve, and we're tired, and we wonder why. I have here a list of characteristics of grief, and okay. I will send some of this to you girls so yeah. you can send it to your, your but, people yeah. if you want to. But
0: I'm just gonna feel over this. Okay. I'm going to throw some out here because we know that the typical, right, I'll say typical right, ones. Yeah. OK, so here's some ones that are not seem to be typical. Self-punishment, disorientation, word repetition. Uh, let's see, uh, impatience, rejection of those closest to you. Uh, let's see, stiffness in the body, feeling incomplete or abandoned, lacking incentive, excessive talking, listlessness, overspending, overworking, those are just a couple from that lit. I mean, this list takes up an entire page, y'all two columns. And those are just a couple that stand out that I'm like, are overscheduling. Mm-hmm. That's, I can tell you right now, I, as a seven, something that I have to work through is feeling the fe- heavy feelings. I don't like to do that. I like to just like, okay, that's great, but let's move on. And so, but I will process it. And so I will overschedule. I will mm-hmm. just keep doing the things and... But, like, these are things that I would say, like, loved ones. I know loved ones that are doing these things, mm-hmm. and I wouldn't
2: say that I wouldn't first think grief when hearing wow, those. Exactly. And a lot of these things that you're reading there, those are what contribute to bad relationships, whether it's marriage relationships, sisters. Well, you don't have earthly sisters, but you mm-hmm. probably have. What I would call spiritual sisters. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And but those kinds of symptoms, we don't know what they are and we don't know what to do with them. So that's what I try to deal with. And then there's something on the overscheduling that might help you. But put a a block of time, whatever is your best time of day you want to do this. Call it Tori time, Tracy time. Mm -hmm. Block off at least 20 minutes a day for yourself. I know 15 would be great. But and I learned some of this from other people. But when someone has died or if there's been a a separation of some kind of relationship, having time for yourself helps you get refocused on what's really important. You can work on your tic-tac-toe thing, but you need to just, this gentleman, he's the guru of all grief and loss. And he says three times a day, at least three times a day, 20 minutes. Okay, are you kidding me? When you're a mom with little kids at home, the chances yeah. of you having three times like that. Right. The yeah, other person that tells me <laughs> the other
0: person that tells me I do things three times a day. Oh, you can work out. Just do it three times a yeah. day. 20 minutes. Each. Yeah. Or, right. Oh, yeah. You can read the Bible. Read five minutes <laughs> a time. You know, and you're like, OK, when all I'm breaking everything up into yes. five minute segments. <laughs> yes. you do this. Yes. This is five minutes
2: for Tori. OK, so here's another little tip that will help you with your time management. Literally. On your U you version, you know, you get that scripture of the day comes mm-hmm. in. Yeah. Before I even get out of bed, I turn over. i try to find the phone and I click on that and make make the icon really close where you can get it and get the one scripture a day into you. Because what that does is get the word of God into you first thing in the morning before everything else starts hitting. Because yeah. as, as soon as you get up. Yeah. It's going to hit. It's my favorite time. It's first thing in the morning.
0: She's so good. Tracy's so good. I get text messages from her at (laughs) 630 in the morning like, hey, are we doing this or, you know, what are we? What's the podcast schedule? you know, and I'm like, ah, Tracy. Well, I I had
1: seasons where I didn't either. You know, but things
0: are seasons. Things are seasons. But she's made it a priority since she the thing that is the most important to Tracy since. Well, I'm speaking for you. Correct me if I'm wrong. (laughs) But like peace in her house, mm-hmm. like she does everything to protect the peace in her house. When outside of the world, this is mm-hmm. what God has or given me. I can mm-hmm. create the peace in here. And she is an excellent example of how right. she so does you that. Invite,
2: literally invite the Holy Spirit to come into your home every morning. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I and does. Dusty and I have had people walk in our home and go, oh, what what? Because they don't know. I don't they think don't know what that see is. or feel
1: that just yet. No, they I don't. don't what that don't. noise? I was like, oh, those are my kids. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> but there's a
2: sense of peace there that that yeah. is only a given to people who are believers. Yeah. And so even if it is only the woman in the home who is the believer, she can invite the Holy Spirit every morning. Heavenly Father, you know who I am. Here I am. Please yeah. come here and be here and help us. Yeah. But two,
0: that... I think you do have that in your house because your house is the gathering place for all your kids' friends. Yeah. Your kids' friends love it there. Mm -hmm. And kids, they are going to naturally tend to where they feel comfort and contentment. And that's your house for them. And that
2: that starts with you training the children early on as well. As soon as they're born, Mm -hmm. you start praying with them when they're in their high chair. (laughs) Dear Jesus, thank you for our food. Amen. Our little 16-month-old grandson does it. Yep, he yeah. knows. Mm-hmm. So as you're training your children, and Scripture does tell us, if you train your children in the way they are, they should be uh, the Lord. When they're old, they won't depart from that. That's because they're learning. They're sponges, and they're learning everything, absorbing it, including our grief. Yeah. And sometimes kids will act out. Quick story about acting out. Uh, a friend of mine who was a physician. One time, my oldest daughter was about two. And she was throwing a huge temper tantrum in front of other people. Usually she only did it in front of me, but she did it in front of other people. And I turned to Dr. Jim and I said, Dr. Jim, why is she doing that? And he kind of scratched his head and he said, you know, Valerie, I imagine if we all acted the way we actually feel, we'd all be doing the exact same thing right now. That had stuck with me because this is what we do with grief. This is We're acting out. We don't know what to do with it. So we're going to misbehave. Some people will get into addictions of all sorts of things. And there's problems that could be solved if we would face the grief, deal with it, know what it is, own it and work through it. That's thank you. I love that. Before we
1: go, I would love for you. You said something that stuck with me as well, because we're always caring for someone. We obviously have our own grief, but we're caring for people who've all also had grief. And sometimes it's hard. We don't know what to say. We don't know what to do. You said something to us that just said, hey, when you talk to that friend, say the name of someone. And I think if you want to just touch on that, just to kind of give somebody like some encouragement as they walk away and think they're going to think of one person who they need to share this episode with.
2: Especially when someone has died. Uh, We often, as a parent, we would be fearful that they would be forgotten. That was one of the reasons Anne's family said, we're going to talk about her. We're going to use her name in reverence and, and talk about the good things about Anne and where we know she is forever. We're going to do this. But when other people die, if I go to help an elderly family of an elderly member who died, I will say, what is his name? His name is Jerry. He is deceased, but his name is Jerry. And then I encourage people at family gatherings, let's pick on Thanksgiving. Let's say you have a whole crowd of people around and it's the first year since Uncle Ken has died. No one knows what to do. Kind of like deer in headlights. Do we say his name? Do we pretend like he's still here? He's upstairs or something? No. Different families do different traditions differently. Thanksgiving is a good one. You know, you might all be getting together. What do we do this year? Sometimes you try a different approach to, hey, we used to have big meals. Instead, this year, we're going to go serve a meal somewhere, but we're going to talk about Uncle Ken, Uncle Jerry. We're going to talk about these people who they're not here, Mm -hmm. but we know they're in heaven because the Bible tells us if they believed in God and they believe that Jesus is God and he was raised from the dead, they will be saved. It's that simple. It's not their behavior. Yeah. yeah. Now, at some point, you probably start talking about their behavior, especially if they're ornery and they <laughs> did things. So it's good to use their names. And if so, and here, here's the thing. If you're with a friend who's had a death loss, so much of the time, they will never remember what you say to them, but they will remember that you were there. So if a friend dies, I say a friend or a family member, show up, be there. Even if you're dropping off a casserole at the front door. Even if you're just mowing their lawn for them. Yeah. If you're doing anything, just let them see your face. And the best words you can say is, I'm so sorry for your loss. I miss Uncle Jerry also. That's the best thing you can do. Because they're wounded. Their hearts are broken. And remember this. When you cry, the reason you cry is tears help us drain off the abscess of pain that has broken our hearts. And remember this, even Jesus wept.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Oh, that's good. And Absolutely. he and he he cried when a friend died. Yeah. And cool, cool thing is, he even knew. You know who I'm talking about? He yeah. Lazarus. Lazarus, he Lazarus died, but get this, he even knew the four days later he it, was going to, to raise, raise Lazarus, Lazarus yep. from the dead, and he still cried. So who do we think we are <laughs> that we are not going to be upset or cry or act out or use any of these other? characteristics of grief when we when our hearts are broken. Yeah. And we're broken over different things. It's not always it's not always a death. Sometimes it's just some kind of disaster. Mm -hmm. And that's why I train, you know, secular and biblical, because we have all grief and disaster and no one knows what to do with it. Yeah, (laughs) it's true. Well, you
1: have been amazing, Valerie. And we want our listeners to follow you. Where can they find you? And then also we will put any links or info in the show notes so they can directly find you.
2: Okay. I am Valerie Stevens Rhodes.com. <laughs> <laughs> Christian Grief Counseling at gmail.com. Uh, I have two phone numbers. Both are great. And you can text or call either okay. number, and I will get back to you eventually. 913 696 1234 or 816 820 1234. That's by design. (laughs) I will warn you, I'm not very good on the computer as far as how my website looks. So if you go to christiangriefcounseling.org, I think I'm .org, I need help making that look better. And I don't know how to do that. I'm really very personable Mm -hmm. in person. I usually (laughs) counsel with people one-on-one or families or small groups, 10 to 20. If people want training how to deal with their own losses, how would you like to have a workshop where you never have to say a word? (laughs) <laughs> you, don't, you know, grief counseling is yeah. one thing. One-on-one counseling. Those are specific things I, I help. Tar- if somebody's got an issue in mm-hmm. particular, that's what we target. And we deal with that. But in the grief you can use workshop that I teach. I've been teaching it for 10 years. I teach it in a way that you have your own workbook and you're sitting there working on your own things. And you never have to tell anybody what your losses are. You don't have to tell them anything. You can. But as a rule, I try to just train as many as possible. How to deal with your losses. Yeah.
0: No, and that's great. And that's something that if you've got friends or something and you're in the Kansas City area, that would be something that you guys could, you know, group do together, do together and group or churches that you're involved or, and I'm sure you do things over Zoom okay. if, if somebody's not
2: local. I do quite a bit on Zoom or FaceTime as far as yeah. one-on-one. In fact, th- th- uh, recently I had a family come, one from out of town, one from nearby and one out of state and we had her on Zoom. So or FaceTime, I think it was, so that they could be in the presence of each other, but with out with of the state with having yeah. to travel.
0: That's so, nice. Yeah. yeah, that's really yeah. great, especially for family situations. Yeah. Yes. All right, Housewives. Well, we have wrapped up another episode that we hope that you have found encouraging and valuable. I know this time for me has been so eye-opening and, you know, I'm going to go feel some things. Yeah. Um, I'll, ma- I'll make her feel things, <laughs> guys. I will. <laughs> Please check and make sure that check on me. Okay, guys. <laughs> but until next week,
1: Housewives. Thanks. We'll see you next week. Bye. Whether we made you laugh or cry today, we pray you feel appreciated, bolder and braver than yesterday, stronger and more faithful for tomorrow and living in who you were made to be
0: today. Join our online community on Facebook, link in the show notes, and be sure to review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you enjoy listening. Until next time, housewives, we give you permission to walk confidently, free, and to be intentional in your slippers or stilettos.